This is Calgary Today with Angela Cocott on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. Good Tuesday afternoon. No eclipse today. Nothing exciting to talk about. However, we are just days away from the start of another school year. And I think it comes with a lot of different emotions. You're going to have parents probably partly excited to get the kids finally back in a routine, but then also anxious that they've got to get the kids back into a routine. You've got kids who are excited about going back to school and seeing their friends, but then not so excited because they're going back to school. It comes with so many different feelings, but at the end of it, we know that we all go to school, whether it be at home or in a bricks and mortar building. And those 12 years are so important. And we all think that, of course, you're going to go to school. You're going to come out with a high school diploma. You need that to go on to post-secondary to be a success. But what about the kids where school just doesn't seem to fit with them? Have they given up on school or has school given up on them? This hour, I want to talk about that. And especially I want to hear from parents who have either struggled with trying to understand why their their child doesn't want to go to school, why they would even consider dropping out of school. And I think I've got the best resource possible. I have a mom who has written a book, Dropout. Leslie Gable is my guest this half hour in studio. Leslie, thanks so much for coming by. Thanks for having me. First of all, for you to have to write this book, um, and, and as I read through it, I thought, wow, this is powerful because you're the mother of two beautiful daughters, and like most parents, what was your vision of your girls when they started school? Well, I think like every parent, that you just make assumptions about how this will unfold. And it did unfold as it should till about grade seven. And then things started falling apart, slowly and excruciatingly. And uh, my older daughter, Avery, would disengage, kind of get re-engaged. But she really um, started in grade 7 giving up on school and gave up in grade 10. And it was a very long, painful process. And I'm glad you point that out, and we'll get into that in more detail. The fact that when when a child does decide to drop out, some people think that, oh, yeah, okay, they just made that decision. It was a rash decision. But you're saying from a parent who has lived through it, it really was a slow, gradual process. It's complicated. I don't think kids ever leave for one reason. Mm -hmm. But what I wanted to point out in the book is we are so used to identifying out-of-school reasons. We are so used to talking about slacker parents, alcoholic parents, indigenous parents, single parents. And what I wanted to bring to light was, here I have a daughter who should have every advantage, um, middle-class kid with parents who are educated, and it didn't work. So it is not just what goes on in families or what goes on in kids' lives. I mean, all children struggle, all youth struggle. But we need to look at what's going on inside of school and to say, is this still relevant? 
really personal, as I said, because you tell the story of Avery. I mean, you you tell her childhood and in grade seven. It's grade seven that she makes the transition to late immersion French, right. correct? Right. And and is that when, as you say, it was a slow gradual process. But can you just give me a little bit of a an idea of what Avery was going through and why you knew things weren't working between Avery and the school or the school and Avery? Well, I think she found it very hard to make a transition from being a stellar student in grade six to going into this very, very difficult program. And it was almost immediate. And she was really, really struggling. And no matter how we tried to get her to change programs or try this or do that, it simply wasn't within our power. And I think families and parents, well, parents believe that almost all things are within their power. But you're not sitting in that classroom. You're not privy to the... um, the subtleties of communication. You don't know what goes on between the teacher and the students. And I think the pressure was profound there. I think she felt like a grade machine. I feel like she felt she had no one in her corner. And I think she was right. But you know what, at the same time, because I'm sure I've got some people listening going, oh gosh, here's another mother saying that her daughter couldn't do this. But in the book, you also admit that your daughter could have been a difficult student. <laughs> Can, you know, I mean, that's tough for a mother to admit. Well, what I hope I've done in the book is it would be really unfair to just focus on what happened at school. That would be wrong. Um, Avery brought the full weight of her personality to this, which could be challenging, but was also always searching for attachment. Relationship mattered to her, and she wasn't finding it. And I don't know how we think that students in grade seven suddenly don't have to have those connections like maybe they had in, in elementary school. But I had to look at my husband and I as parents. I had to look at what she brought to the table. But never should she have ever been held responsible. It's always the adults that are responsible. So it's us as parents. It's the teachers at the school. She's a child. She's 12. And I think her behavior indicated at times, I am struggling with the relationships at school. Instead of just being a difficult kid, there's another person in this relationship and those are the teachers and the principal. The education system, that's a relationship for sure. Exactly. So uh, in the book, though, and, and you did a lot of research here because uh, you, you talked about Avery's story, but then you even, let, let's throw out this topic because I know my listeners are going to have very strong opinions on it. Right. But it's the idea of homework and the pros and cons of homework, the need for homework. Uh, so give me an idea what you found in your research. And and I also think, I've, I'm, I've got to preface this with, because I think when we talk about homework, I think most of my listeners would agree, elementary school, huh, come on, junior high, maybe they've got to start having some homework. But what did you find when you were researching your book? I found, from my experience with my daughter in late immersion, was the homework was absolutely overwhelming. It was given in every single class, and I feel in some ways it could have been her undoing. Always wanted to do everything to the, you know, all or nothing. Right. But I think now that so many researchers are turning to homework because very few teachers have courses in how to assign homework. It can take your whole evening. What if your boss sent you home every night to do your taxes or something you love, you know, To that degree. It would be insane. And I think that we have to realize that children learn so much in their community, being with family, being with friends. And sometimes if you look at the homework, you just say, this is ridiculous busy work. 
busy work. And, and really, the reason the busy work for you has been writing this book, because it was in, it was in 2000 when she was in grade 7? Was yes. that? And, and, yep. so, and then eventually you said in grade 10, she dropped out from school. Yes. But, I but, wish it would have been sooner. Yeah. And, and why do you say that? Because I... You wish she would have dropped oh, out sooner. Oh, I so wish she could have held her high, head high and said, this isn't for me. But instead, she was really ashamed. Her friends were going to school. I think she felt, what is wrong with me? And so I would say to her, don't go back to school next year, honey. And she go, oh, what mother says that? But I got so tired of the school's phoning. I got so tired of the absolute sense that they wanted her out of their hair, that she was nothing but a problem if she didn't comply. So who wouldn't want to get out of that and maybe try something different? Anything had to have been better than what was going on. Did you ever consider homeschooling, online schooling, especially when you start to get into junior high and high school? All of those things. So she would say, no, it's going to improve, it's going to improve. And I think every time she really hoped it would, her heart was in it. She wanted to be like everyone else. But it... Every time she went back, it was the same. It was the same. So, and also, too, I think what I have to say, and I, I don't blame teachers for this. I think that school is done to them as we do schools to students. They have no role in, in what they're up to. But I think at times they were showing her the door. They were just done with her. And I got that sense when they phoned me all the time. So why would you want that to continue? I want the conversation to continue, but I do have to take a break here. Leslie Gable is my guest. She is the author of Dropout, How School is Failing Our Kids and What We Can Do About It. After the break, what can we do about it? I'm Angela Cocott. You're listening to Calgary Today. We are talking about the school system and whether or not it has worked for you, has worked for your family, and, and maybe you're a teacher. I know I've, I always get lots of texts from teachers as well because maybe teachers can say, this is what we're up against, Ange. 403-974-8255 will be the number to call just after 3.30, but continue to send your texts. My guest is Leslie Gable. She is the author of Drop Out and her daughter in grade 10 dropped out but as you heard leslie uh, before the commercial break said it was a slow process and and it's not one specific thing but she was she decided to write the book because she was trying to understand why what happened here was it it wasn't my daughter was it the school and 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 leslie not surprisingly i'm getting some texts from people who are saying well obviously it was your daughter you know you're saying your daughter wasn't responsible but i i think you'll even admit that it it takes it takes a village to raise yes. a child, but there is more than just one person here. There's relationships within the the friends, within the school, the teachers, and how important that is for a child. I couldn't I, I couldn't agree more. I I know I'm going to be accused of blaming, and I know that teachers are often in an untenable situation. They're working in an institution that really should be finished. It was created a hundred to one hundred and fifty years ago after the Industrial Revolution, to make people be factory workers. Its time has come. But teachers don't have a lot of input into what the curriculum looks like either. And so the curriculum is done to to teachers. Teachers kind of do school to to children. Um, No, it's not about teachers. I I think they're in a really difficult position. But if I could say something, it's that certain kids, well, most kids could be served better, but some absolutely will wither without intense relationships with their teachers at school. So, and and quite the statement to say that we should just get rid of schools. So what would you see as an alternative then? And I, and I think there are a lot of alternatives out there. Yeah, I do think there's a lot of alternatives. What I say in my book 
because it's a huge circus tent. There's so many things to look at. I offer about three things. One is that school by grade seven should be a democracy. We're raising different kids and they're bright kids. They have great ideas. And as an adolescent, your main developmental chore is to make decisions for yourself. So it just flies in the face of what we know about youth to tell them what to do all day. Mm -hmm. I'm surprised they put up with it to the degree they put up with it. But I would also say if a teacher feels they can offer nothing to a student but kindness, kindness is magic. And I would just say that there can be no double standards around how we treat children and youth. If you wouldn't yell at your coworker, you don't yell at a student. If you... Um, wouldn't insult your coworker that way. You don't talk to a student that way. And I think we all can remember things that damaged us at school. It's just unacceptable. And it's oppressive and it's wrong. And uh, I know even as you talk about the words that damage and hurt, we have talked about bullying on ad infinitum um, in the last 10, 20 years, it seems. But in your book, you're also saying we have to look at the bullying by teachers. And I think there's probably going to be a lot of people, and I, and I know a yeah. lot of people will say, wait, you, you just sound like you're being so easy on kids. Kids have to earn, learn respect. That's how they're going to earn respect. Um, and, uh, you know, it almost sounds like you're saying we should have the teacher-student relationship shift as opposed to that teacher being the authority. Okay. I'm just going to step back a bit. What really informs my book is a book called Somebody's and Nobody's. And it's the idea of rankism. We don't usually talk about it. We talk about racism. We talk about sexism. We talk about ableism. But rankism is the notion that you can treat someone who doesn't do what you do, who you may feel is less than you, the person who cleans a building. To treat them like a nobody is rankism. Now, you can't er erase rank like you can't erase color. But you can call it for what it is. So schools are really tradition-bound, and they're based on the notion of rankism. Students need to be treated as somebodies. They are somebodies. They're younger than us. But I don't know why we feel we can treat them in a way we wouldn't treat adults. It's wrong, and they're vulnerable. And as I said, when we're talking about bullying, we often, we know that schools have anti-bullying campaigns. But yet you're saying, if you're in some classrooms, you're going to see the teacher as the bully to the students. As long as you have top-down... The rank. ...authority, mm -hmm. as long as you have rank... And you're demonstrating that day in and day out. Why would you expect a student then to stick up for another child? They have no, they have no experience making their own decisions. And you can't do that unless you've had respectful um, behavior modeled to you from the minute you get to the class to the minute you leave. And that is not always the case. Now, I'm not saying that parents don't come in at times and push around teachers. And I'm not saying that principals don't push around teachers, yeah. <laughs> but we do know that teachers push around students and it's called an undiscussable, but unless you'll discuss the undiscussable, nothing will change. Avery eventually gives up school, as you said, in, in grade 10 and what became of her? 
Okay, is that a spoiler? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, 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 only because I've got the book in front of me, and I am going to be giving this book away, so uh, make sure you listen uh, in um, the next five minutes or so. In June, just June, she graduated with her degree in accounting. So there's many more ways to get to university. And the reason I wanted you to say yeah. that, because I have listeners who are saying, yeah, my, my, my son or daughter is saying they're giving up. And, and you even talk about the stigma of having to tell people that your daughter dropped out of school. Well, I'm using a pseudonym. She wouldn't let me use her own name. So at 29, there's still a lot of shame associated with that. But I hope it's going to change. 25% of students don't finish high school in three years. I mean, that's a message to us, that it's not just our students and families. School needs to look at its own practices. Mm -hmm. Um, Having said that, there is a real stigma. The term dropout is a pejorative. Um, Yeah. But she was able to, even after quitting in grade 10 find her way and get to university. Oh, for sure. And not all students are going to go on to university, but the work world saved her. She worked um, for a number of years and then went back to school through Athabasca University. I know a woman right now who's writing a book, good honor, about how to go to university without finishing high school. I'm not saying that that's the case for every child, but I want parents to know and I want youth to know if you leave, if it holds no meaning for you, if this is not the place for you, there's other ways to skin a cat. Right. And, and, and I think that's back to your whole idea of we've got to step back and look at the institution of education. But it's massive. And it so, massive. And, and, and I'm glad that our society has given the options. And as I mentioned, the online schooling, you know, homeschooling. So there are a lot of options out there. Uh, you, you talked about homework. You talked about bullying. But I also wanted to make sure that w- before I say goodbye to you, and I've got lots of texts, and I'm going to keep the conversation going in the next half hour. But what would your advice be, especially for parents who feel that they failed their child? Oh, well, it's hard not to feel that way. That's exactly how you feel. In my book, I kind of replay. I go through her entire childhood to catch the moment where this could have been different. Now... Number one, we're not as powerful as we think we are, so I'm not sure it could have been different. Um, But I would say you need to not alienate your child through this. You need to love them through it. You need to know that they probably would like to go to school. But if it holds no meaning, if you go there every day and everything that's coming to you in classes does not resonate on any level and you just can't keep showing up, just support them maybe to do something else. Wow, those are great words. And I know um, some listeners will say, oh, that's exactly what I need to hear. And I know I've also got listeners who have said, yeah, I wish this is the, the parent and the, the ideology that I would have had when I was struggling through school as well. Leslie, thank you so much for coming thank in. The book so is called Dropout. And I am going to give away a book before four o'clock because after the news, I've got phone calls coming in 403-974-8255. Lots of texts as well. Do you think we have to re-examine the whole education system? And I know that's kind of pie-in-the-sky thinking here. But let's have that conversation after this. Calgary Today with Angela Cocott. Weekdays at 3 on News Talk 770 Calgary.